Hello, everybody, and welcome to this point five of Truth Beer and Pod Sequences. So, this is not a calendar episode. This is not an episode where we're shouting out uh, award winners for the local Cincinnati craft beer scene. This is an episode where we're talking to our very special guest, Dave Volkman uh, of Ohio Valley Hops, also uh, a beer tender over at uh, Sonder Brewing Company. And uh, Dave, uh, you and I, and as have Julia, and you cross paths many times, uh, myself, I, I was able to, you know, when I was at Cellar Dweller, get some uh, just extremely fresh hops and make a wet hop beer there. Uh, and then, you know, Julia and I, you know, going over to Sonder, having beers and whatnot. And uh, we bumped into each other one time when we were recording at uh, BC's Bottle Lodge in Montgomery yep. when they were open. And wanted to have you on the pod. So grateful to have you here on Truth Beer Pod uh, for the main episode. Thank you for listening to the shows and contributing to the body of the episode, the main episode. And now we are going to talk with you about you and about um, your experiences and, you know, what you've been doing um, as far as hops, as far as beer and just uh, whatever strikes your fancy. Um, Go ahead and for anybody who didn't listen to the the main podcast, go ahead and uh, elaborate or expand on uh, any introduction for yourself, please. All right. Hey, my name's Dave. Live out in Mainville, and uh, about ten years ago, my wife and I started a uh, started growing hops out there. Got about an acre and a half. That's roughly fifteen hundred plants. So grow about a ton of hops a year, and uh, I love me some beer. And again, I do uh, do sling beer at Sonder, usually Thursday and Friday nights. Come see me up there. Absolutely. One of the best bartenders that they have. I appreciate that, Julia. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we, we've been there and, and we will go there mm-hmm. and, uh, and do that. And uh, you're, you and your wife are, are lovely people. And uh, again, we've met each other several times and you met my son, Vincent. And, you know, we've uh, uh, got, we got to hang out and have beers what, what was it this past uh last the weekend before it was just this past weekend this past weekend yeah, i think so oh, time runs together Time's but so weird it was very close <laughs> yeah. uh but uh it uh very excited to have you on the pod uh you said in the main episode that you have uh supplied hops to many of the local uh craft beer uh breweries yep. in town uh Rheingeist, Urban Artifact, uh, Narrow Path, uh, Cellar Dweller, I mean, uh, Fibonacci. I mean, the list goes little on and on. Little Fish a little, little farther away. Little yeah. Fish a little yeah. farther away. Yeah, true. Um, but what uh, what got you into that? How, how did you get into growing hops? And, and uh, did you have a, a green thumb previously? C- kind of complicated story, as all stories are. Let's go. Um, I have... I have loved beer since I was a kid. Yeah, me too. When uh, when I was a kid during the 70s, um, my my uh, beer can collecting was a big thing. Sure. And I was a kid who was interested in that and that history. Got a lot of got some deep roots here in Cincinnati, going back many generations to my German immigrants to over the Rhine. And my dad, uh, he also loved to drink some beer, and so he was a great cooperator in the beer can collecting thing. We'd go out and find beers and. He'd uh, let me sample some of that stuff, and I, I still, to this day, love Breweriana. So I've, I've always had a thing for beer. I headed off to the military, and one of the, the things that the military introduces you to is, is oftentimes good beer. 
-hmm. because uh, especially back in the 80s and 90s, we had a worldwide presence and half of our military was stationed in Germany. And so anywhere you would go in, even in a, in a uh, uh, American based post, the liquor store on, on base had a ton of German beer. And having grown up in Cincinnati on Little Kings and, mm -hmm. and Hudy and Burger and Wiedemann and, and, and the other brands that we had here in Cincinnati, German beer was a real revelation. And I really appreciated that. And then I, I actually stayed in, um, stayed in active duty a few years and went in reserves and got to travel the world. And part of that, part of traveling is eating and drinking and enjoying the culture. And so you, you experience some great beers. So I always had a, a special place in my heart for beer and all of its ingredients. In um, 2010, I, well, let me back up a couple years. Um, I live in Mainville. My, my next door neighbor who had lived there for many years passed and um, his property went up for sale, 10 acres. And a developer came in, put an option on it. They were gonna put a, a whole bunch of, of units on it. And I was just not too interested in that. So um, the great market crash of 2007-8 um, played to my advantage. The, uh, the, the market dropped out, the prices went down, and I was able to buy it. The, the, the developer didn't follow through on the, on the deal. The family just wanted to get rid of it, so I got 10 acres at a pretty, pretty decent price. House and, and, and some land. And I, I needed to monetize it in some way to pay for it. It's kind of my retirement plan. Someday when I sell it, I'll, I'll use that to, to move on. Um, but the... Uh, the acreage, I said, how am I going to monetize that? So for the first couple of years, I was just growing uh, your typical farmer's market stuff on it and going to a couple of farmer's markets. And that is a, a really tough thing to be in because it's, it's pretty much every day and every day you have market, you've got for the, a day or two ahead of time, you've got to go out there and pick stuff and clean it up. And uh, I was... 2008, 2009, 2010, a little bit ahead of the current curve where farmer's markets are very popular. And, you know, a typical comment was, well, I can buy this stuff cheaper at Kroger's. I'm like, well, we'll go do that. But that was picked three weeks ago in California mm -hmm. or, or wherever, and it's it's not fresh. And this, so anyway, um, I had this land. I needed to monetize it. In, uh, in 2010, I was still in the Army Reserve. I deployed to Iraq, and I was working on an in interdisciplinary team to help revitalize the agriculture sector in a, uh, a region just outside of Baghdad called Abu Ghraib. Very infamous for the prison, but uh, what it should be famous for is, is it is uh, part of the breadbasket of Iraq. Uh, it's a dairy region, it's a fruit-going region, and the team I was working with was trying to overcome some of the long-lasting legacy problems of a command economy. And so we were, we were doing things like helping introduce farmers to, to hoop houses, to improve their productivity, better use of, of fertilizers and, and pesticides and so forth. And the guy I was working with from the U.S. Department of Agriculture used to work for Ohio State. So we, we kind of hit it off, maybe in from Ohio, and, and he, had, he had worked there. And he, I, I was kind of telling him about my problems. I said, I got this, and the, the, the farmer's market thing sucks, and I don't want to do that anymore. And so he, had, he told me about Ohio State South Centers in Piketon, which is an incubator for new agricultural products in the state of Ohio. And he said, what they do is they say what is needed in Ohio that's being used and consumed in Ohio, but it's not being grown in Ohio. And he said, when you get back, just go see what they're doing. So when I got home in 2011, um, I... I kind of got myself back together. Early 2012, 
I, I reached out to them and they said, well, our newest project is, grow, is to see whether or not we can grow hops in the state of Ohio. Well, I bet your eyes lit and up. And I was like, oh, oh, oh well, I, I like hops and, uh, and, the, and the downstream product of that beer. Yeah. And so I went to the very first field night they ever had and they were just getting started. They had just gotten a grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to explore that as part of a, a Great Lakes grant of, of Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, a bunch of Great Lakes states to explore this. And um, we, we really spent a lot of time that first year or two just due diligence trying to figure out should we, could we do this? Because there's, there's a lot of expenses to it um, because it is a perennial crop and the infrastructure's um, pretty extensive mm -hmm. to, to grow hops. You don't, you don't throw seeds in the ground and pick them. And so um, we, we, we grew a quarter acre and um, things went pretty well. And so we sold our crop and kept it for another year and sold our crop. And we said, let's expand a little bit. And so over the last couple of years, we've we finally built out to an acre and a half. I could go bigger. That's enough. Mm -hmm. um, this, this was all kind of part of a grand post-retirement from my day job scheme to keep me out of trouble and to keep me busy. And, make a little bit of, of beer money, honestly. It, and is it working? Is it keeping you yep. out of trouble? Uh, it, it is definitely keeping me out of trouble. It's go. a lot of work. There you go. Um, and it, it's, it's making a little bit of money. So it's 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 worked all, all the way around. And I've, I've made some fantastic connections because of it. Um, I've, I've met so many good people in the in the hop growing community and in the in the craft <laughs> beer community. And uh, met, met kind of I met Marco through this because he was yeah. down at, at, at Cellar Dweller. Yeah. Yeah. And they've uh, they bought quite a few of our hops down there, both wet and pelletized to make some really, really good beers down there. That's so awesome. That's, that's kind of how I got into it. That's cool. So I know that you mentioned the infrastructure for growing hops. Mm -hmm. I know that it's are they actual telephone poles or just I know that you, it you could looks use like telephone poles. Tall. Yeah, okay. um, you could use telephone poles. The problem with a, a telephone pole is it's been pulled out of service by Duke Energy for a reason. Yeah, it's already reached sure. it's sure. the end of its life. And you're never really sure what some of these really right. old ones um, have been treated with. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have bought all my poles from a place up in MacArthur, Ohio, that specializes in in posts and poles. Okay. But you could. Some people do black locust. Some people do larch. Some people do cedar. You've got options, but the bottom line is you've got to have a trellis system that's 20 feet up in the air. Mm -hmm. So you need a pole that's 22, 24 feet because you're going to sink it in the ground. It needs to be widened up to not be yep. just and, swaying and so all over the place. We have yeah. an acre and a half hop yard, and we have 144 poles that are 20 feet out of the ground and about two miles of steel cable infrastructure. Wow. Because it's a trellis system, hops mm -hmm. are a perennial plant below the ground but they're annual above the ground. Mm -hmm. um, every year, it's a crown with rhizomes, and every year they die back. Right now, they're, um, they're, they're going into dormancy. Okay. Um, and, and late March, early April next year, they'll, they'll pop out and they'll start it all over again, but they will ultimately grow to about 20 feet in height in a matter of eight weeks. Wow. Very, very fast growing crop. I was gonna say, so you can literally almost watch them grow every day you go out and look well, and they're probably if, if it's visibly. A good, if it's a good sunny day and the temperature is is in the 70s or 80s, they will grow eight to 10 inches a day. That Holy is smokes. insane. Yeah, you can, that's, that's crazy. So could they be, or maybe it's just the, that they need that trellis system to kind of grow because of that, like the first thing that pops into my mind with something growing that fast is like kudzu. Could that be considered an invasive species if it was just kind of, or, or would it not really survive if it was just kind of left? 
I, I don't. I don't end. think it would survive. It's 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 okay. not it's not invasive. A lot of invasive species are invasive because there's no natural predators. They're That's they're introduced from elsewhere. And there are some hops <laughs> native to to the United States. Okay. Not not a bunch, but 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 some. But there's enough predators to hops that. Okay. You don't find a whole lot of survivors. Just like wild every, hops every, growing out there. Every once in a while, people will discover a hop vine growing in a fence row, on a farm, mm. um, or a former farm, or growing along railroad tracks. Um, but that's that's kind of rare. And those are those are true survivors because there's diseases and insects that'll that'll tear them out if you're not gotcha. if you're not attending to them. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but take me back a, a, a little bit uh, to where. You, you went to the to the program, uh-huh. uh, and one of the big things with growing hops is what do you grow? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the with the varieties out there, like you said, there's not many hops native to America. Most of our hops are descendant from, if I'm not mistaken, they're descendant from the noble hops from Germany, and then I think that and some British and, and some yeah. British, and yeah. then I think now the the new newfangled fancy hops. From New Zealand are all sort of based off of Americanized hops. Am I am I right about that? You know, I I, I cannot speak to that. What what uh, one of the the things that's, that that uh, I, I learned early on is there's A B C D hops, A American hops, which we tend to think of as very citrusy, um, piney hops, and the classics, of course, like Centennial, Cascade, Chinook, sure, um, which, which have all descended from mainly from hops from Germany or Great Britain. There's, so there's A, American, B, British hops. Fuggle is probably the quintessential one there, a few others. Sure. C, continental hops, your land race hops, Haller Tower, Middlefru, Sauzer, yeah. and, and et cetera. And then D now, Down Under, which um, mo- all of them tend to be hybrids of other varieties because if you're going to grow them, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna try to do different hybrids of... This is the mother, this is the father plant because hops are dioecious. They have a male plant and a female plant. Mm-hmm. They're not just, uh, they're, they're, they're like, they're, there's not a lot of plants around like that, but um, you need both of them to fertilize. Um, so if you, if you see a hop yard, it's all female plants. The female plants produce the flower that contains the good stuff. The male, the male flowers are little clustery things that don't have any lupulin to, to speak of in them. No oils. They're they're the, the males are pretty useless. Let's be honest. Well, but you do have some yes. male plants. I, I would have imagine. zero male plants. So how yeah. do how do your how does the hop farm get pollinated? Pollinated or it, it, it does it, it doesn't get pollinated and it doesn't need to be pollinated. Okay. Yeah. The, okay. The, the the female flowers are they're ready to be pollinated, but if you were to have a male plant around, it would pollinate them. They would then end up with seeds in them. And the seeds would take away some of the energy from producing the oils and the acids. Gotcha. That's what you really, really want. Okay. Wow. okay. So the males just drag the females down. Every day of the week. I mean. Damn. Yeah. I could have told you guys that, yeah. but. Yeah. So uh, what, uh, when you started, Yep. what variety did you start with? We, we started off, try, we tried four varieties. And one of the things you have to understand about hops is there are public varieties which anybody can buy and anybody right. can grow. And then you've got the varieties that have been, and, and as it should be, they're patented. Some, some company has a program, like John Haas, like you can't, you can't go grow Citra. Oh, absolutely not. Because that's, that's from... That, that company invested hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to develop that hop variety and to propagate it. Right. 
um, and it, it wasn't developed publicly. The USDA has a research station out in Corvallis, Washington, where they actually do research and they do release public varieties. So if you drink a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and you enjoy the taste of Cascade, released around 1973 from USDA. Okay. Oh, wow. And without that, you know, the, it would have been another privately yeah. owned. Right if on. Not, maybe not even. Well, so is there? Is there? I I imagine there's not. But much much like uh, uh, intellectual properties and patents, mm -hmm. uh, there are are expiration dates to when that. Seventeen years, but as as which is a patent expiration, but will anybody care about Citra in ten more years, or will it be the next big thing? And that, that's where they, that's where uh, hot breeding companies yeah. have the win. Like HBC. HBC. Hot breeding company. Yep. Um, they, they will, uh, th those patents will expire. And at that point, that hop will be, it'll be a good, it'll still be a good hop, but it'll be kind of passe because we all are fascinated by the new and the novel. Sure. That said, USDA has been reinvigorated here lately. They got a big grant from the Brewers Association to spend more money on releasing new varieties. Um, I, I just put in about uh, 250 plants of a variety called Vista. And that's something that, that USDA released, released last year that's got really good agronomics, which as a grower, I need a plant to be able to grow, to be resistant mm -hmm. to, to uh, mildews and to pests uh, to, as much as possible. There are some that are out there that are just downy mildew magnets. They will, they're just terrible to grow and um, they're, they cost more to grow than, they, than it's worth. So you don't want to grow those types of things. So you sure. need good agronomic qualities, but right. you also need good, good chemistry. You need mm -hmm. good, good flavors and aromas coming out of the oils. And so Vista is one that uh, I, I'm very excited about. I've had a chance to, to uh, sample some beers brewed with Vista. And to uh, when USDA released it, they shopped it around to a, a bunch of breweries out in the Pacific Northwest where they, where they first grew it. But then they pushed it out to several propagators in uh, the Midwest to try it out at some Midwestern hop yards. I mean, Midwestern hop yards are a small fraction of the hop production in this country. Yeah. The vast majority of it is in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Um, Michigan's got a pretty good-sized uh, crop, New York State, then probably Wisconsin, Ohio come in behind that. But um, it grew well out here. There are some things that will grow great in the Pacific Northwest are not going to grow. Here, not yeah. going to grow here. We've got a different well, different soil profile, different di different climate. Absolutely, but but I think uh, you know with it, absolutely with uh, everything out west, you know where you know you, you think of um, first of all you you think of uh, sunshine and beaches. And then if you dig a little deeper, you think about grapes, mm -hmm. um, but there's hops. And a couple of years ago, uh, there were so many uh, wildfires and problems that, you know, hop farmers, just the people that were working in the hop farms couldn't get to the hop yeah. farms. Uh, it would be great if somewhere in middle America, you could get something that, yeah, maybe it'd be a little bit different from the soil profile, but mm -hmm. uh, you could get that hop essentially from middle America and, and maybe not, not have a, a, a 
freaking crisis. Yeah, uh, it's of a matter of sustainability. And, and you know, you had you had asked, and I, I got I sidetracked us here. What what did I start growing? My first four varieties were Columbus for the 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 alpha acids for bittering, Perfect. although it's got amazing aromas to it as well. Nugget Cascade and Galena. I, I kind of sure. went with uh, some some dual purpose varieties. And there wasn't a whole lot available back in 2013. This, uh, the, the Midwestern hop market has really blown up. We were early adopters on this in Ohio. Um, and I, since then, I have, I've expanded. I've, I put in some Chinook, some Crystal, uh, a uh, variety that's a New Zealand variety that in New Zealand they call Rocco, R-A-K-A-U. Uh, but here in the United States, we call it Alfa Roma because of... I, intellectual property rights and I, I don't know if somebody stole some rhizomes but it, we grow it legally but I, I we can't call it Rocco okay um, so that, that's what we're currently growing and I've, I've actually had a couple of varieties that I put in and I pulled out they just were not doing what they needed to do for me to make any money off of it if it cost me more to try to grow you and I don't get anything out of you you, you got to go sure problem with that is it takes about three or four years to figure that out because Unlike a batch of beer, you brew a batch of beer and it's terrible. You say, well, we're not going to do that recipe ever again. It takes hops a good two to three years to establish themselves. Right. But, that, but, that, that, that's what I've heard is yeah. basically, you know, when, once a hop is started at a farm, it, it, it's like, well, wait till you're three before you try and, you know, get the true meaning or, or profile or you know, yep. th this is what you're going to get if you're going to get it this year and then next year and then next year. And, of course, it's a crop, so mm -hmm. every year is going to be different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that that's just that's fascinating. It, it's a lot. It, 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 it seems like it, how much um, how much of a of a farmer and then how much of a. A chemistry expert? Did you think you were going to need to do when you when you got into this venture? To to to, to be a farmer, um, you need to be a soil scientist, an entomologist, a phytopathologist. You need to be a mechanic. You need to be a, a jack of all trades. You've got a lot of stuff to do because I've got a, a number of pieces of equipment that I have. That I you, you don't just go down to the you know the hot pickers R Us store to get your stuff repaired. You got to fix it yourself. And um, you know you've got your own pests. You've got you got to be able to deal with weed management, diseases, insects. There's there's a whole host of things out there conspiring against you that you've got to learn a lot about. And if you don't have prior knowledge, it's a steep learning curve. I I had uh, the the background um, not as a full timer, but as as a, as helping out. A, a friend of mine ha farms about 1,500 acres outside of Loveland. And I worked for him for a long time, just you know, on the farm. I, I enjoyed that stuff. I've, I've always had an interest in agriculture. And um, so I, I had enough background on that. I, I, I'm a pretty good at, you know, shade tree mechanic at fixing anything. I don't take my stuff anywhere. I, I figure it out one way or another. Even before YouTube had videos to show you how to fix stuff, I would figure out how to do it. And um, I, I'll build it. And so we, we, we went for it, but there is a lot to learn about it. In terms of the chemistry, um, you want to achieve that, but there's not a lot you can do except really just take good care of your hops. You need to make sure that they're getting enough to drink and enough to eat. And part of that is making sure your soil's healthy and making sure they've got enough water. 
Ohio is a place that you might have enough water this week, and then you're going to go on You've a... you got nothing for weeks. you got nothing for weeks. And so we've, we, we've got a couple of wells and cisterns on the property. Um, I capture all the water that comes off the roof of my barns in, into tanks. And so when we got to go out there and do that, but then it's a matter of making sure that you give them what they need at the right time. Because mm-hmm. just like, you know, you're, you're feeding a baby infant formula because they need something then. And as you, as you go through your life cycle, you have different needs. Um, you know, I, I take a Centrum Silver now because I'm, a, you know, a, you know, in that in that part of my life. But uh, you, have, you have you have you have you have to learn what they need and when they need it, and that's a, a complicated thing because a, a plant that's only six inches tall doesn't need the same thing as a plant that's 18 feet sure. tall. Sure, yeah. A yeah. plant that is in the growth stage versus the flowering stage needs completely different things, and so you just. You have to learn an awful lot about it. And that, that goes for anything. If I was growing tomatoes or apples or, or celery, every crop's going to have its own requirements. And you just have to know what those are and attend to those. Yeah. Well, it looks like you and Marco need fresh beers. But I wanted to ask kind of two other hopefully quick-ish questions before we take a real quick break for that. And then I want to keep diving into this because this okay. is beyond fascinating. Like, this is so much fun for me. Um, my first question is: You mentioned uh, the it, not Vespa, um, the new hop that Vista. 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 Is that being used? Like that's one that I haven't heard of. Is that something that's being used it's, yet, or it's, is it still? It was only a name. For, it was it was uh, one of those HBC okay. t- type of hops. So experimental. La- last couple years. Okay. Okay. Um, USDA released it last year. So it'll so be that three years before. You, you might see it. You will see it no. in beers this yeah. year. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know if it, it was so from what they HBC did did the did the legwork to make okay. that come up. Uh, yeah, and it, right? it actually wasn't an HBC because HBC is a private breeding. company. Oh yeah. Okay. But it was a uh, it was along those lines because if you go to a brewery like oh we got HBC seventy three twenty one, it's not a name variety yet. They're seeking feedback. Gotcha. And okay. uh, those brewers will provide that feedback, and sometimes they pull the plug. They're like, "Oh, we didn't, yeah, we didn't not. get, we didn't get the right feedback that we sure, wanted, and sure. it's not going to be worth it." Okay. But when when it is, then then next year, that's mosaic. Gotcha. You know? So okay. Vista has just been a name variety for one year. But those hops have probably been used. They, they already. They definitely were when, okay. when they were experimental, and uh, <laughs> like, like I said, there's a lot of really positive feedback about it. And it is a hop that, uh, you know, beer has hops in it, mm-hmm. what, for, for no matter what beer you're talking about. Sure. It might not be much, it might be a whole ton, but that is one that is definitely aimed towards the IPA and hazy IPA market. And so, okay. and that, that honestly is where, as a hop grower, you want to be, because I, I, um, I, I can't, I, I don't want to sell hops if you only want to buy a half a pound per barrel. I would love to sell you hops if you're putting in three or four pounds per barrel. Sure, sure. And so Vista, I think, is going to fill that bill um, in, a, in a very nice way. Nice. Cool. Looking forward to seeing that on, on labels and everything as far as what they're using. And then the second question that I had was, you mentioned the different regions that grow hops, you know, the Ohio, the Idaho, the Washington. Because the soil profiles and the water profiles in all these places are very different, would someone who is very familiar with hops be able to is there a taste difference from a hop we'll just use noble is just the first name that popped into my head but if you take say a noble hop that was grown here in ohio or a beer so we, we pretty much here, don't and, grow noble hops well because right they don't that, that was their, just that was let, just the let, very let's first. talk cascader yeah, sure sure 
will take cascade. Absolutely, there's a difference. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, a scientist out at Oregon State, Tom Shellhammer, who is, he's, he's the hop guy in the academic world. Mm-hmm. He just released a new study on terroir, that is, that is to say the, the, the influence of soil and weather and microclimate mm-hmm. on your growing conditions on the flavor of your, of your, of your hops. Very common term in the wine world. Sure. Because of grapes, yeah, yeah, um, and some people have poo-pooed it, and other people have not. And his research says absolutely more so in some varieties than other. And I, w- I would hold up Chinook as a variety. Ohio Chinook is nothing like Pacific Northwest Chinook. Okay, it's a it is they're both lovely, but they're very very different. Okay, and um, if I was going to say there is a hop grown in Ohio that, as a general rule, Ohio brewers really appreciate. For what it brings, because it's different, it's it's Ohio Chinook. Nice. It's uh, as as my friend Chuck Lucan down at Narrow Pass says, Ohio Chinook is righteous. It's a lovely, lovely hop. Hell yeah! Well, let's take a real quick break so you guys can get some okay. new beers. I am still good on mine, and then I wanted to talk a bit about something that you and I t- talked about at Sonder uh, a week or two ago: single hop beers mm-hmm. and just those flavor profiles and how. Sometimes single hop works with very specific hops, mm-hmm. but you almost always need to blend in order mm-hmm. to get a, a very drinkable beer to, to right. the masses. Yeah, so right. real quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about that. All right. All right, we are back, and Dave and I are still good. Marco, you have refilled your glass. Uh, you're drinking one of the same things that you did during the last portion of yeah. the main podcast episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm on uh, repeat, beat, 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 beat. I had the uh, Wet Hop Headhunter so, again. So, so very, very And good. we are geeking out here with uh, Dave Voltman from Ohio Valley Hops. Uh, this is truly fascinating for it us. Is. Hopefully it's fascinating for you. And if you don't uh, think it is, then you're I lo- wrong. I love to talk about hops. It, this is we awesome. We love that you love <laughs> to talk this about is awesome. hops. Yeah. Uh, I know Julia had uh, th- had just asked you a few questions about uh-huh. uh, a few different hops. I know you've got a couple of questions on cue. And I have a question or two. So go ahead, Julia. Well, I, I've kind of driven the last part of the conversation. So you go right on ahead. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you something. And, and I, don't, I don't know how much um, you're a hop grower. Uh, you work at a brewery, uh, but I have a question about uh, hop creep as it pertains to the brewing process, because I hear, and to define in a layman's terms, hop creep is when you add uh, dry hops to a beer uh, that is in the fermenter and has already pretty much almost reached final gravity, but you went ahead and dry hopped it. Now, all of a sudden, uh, active fermentation starts to happen again. And what I hear is that this is a byproduct of, number one, certain hops, and number two, some of the process that goes into turning uh, a, a cone hop into a pellet, into trying to pull out or highlight these fruity notes that if it was treated differently, wouldn't necessarily be there. Um, but am I wrong? Is there any, what's, what's the process between turning a whole cone into a pellet? Is there any heat used? And 
it, it, what, how does that relate to this thing that, that we know as hop creep? So, Mark, I'm going to disappoint you in that I don't know much about it other than what you've already stated. Okay. Uh, not being a brewer, I like to grow stuff. I do not ever want to brew. I just want to drink what somebody else is brewing. Um, Fair enough. What I, what I can tell you is that when we harvest the hops, which okay. is typically August, September, when we harvest them, we, we base that on a number of different things, one of which is the moisture content of the hop. Okay which is indicative of where the oils and alpha acids are. And it, it, it depends on per variety, somewhere around 20 to 25% dry matter, 75 to 80% moisture content. That's the sweet spot. Too early, those hops are, are there's a lot of, of, uh, of chlorophyll in them. You're gonna have a very, you're, you're gonna have a, a really uh, chlorophyll green vegetal taste if you brewed with them. And it's not something I would want to drink. Um, if you pick too late, uh, two things happen. One, you lose a lot of the crop, they shatter. They just explode in the picking machine. They're too dry, they fall apart. And so as a, as a grower, wow, I just, I just lost a whole bunch of money. But also, some of those compounds, um, the, the extremely complex chem chemical composition of, a, of, of what's in lupulin. Lots and lots of oils. There's over 150 different chemical compounds in there, some of which make up a major portion, which we think of as hoppiness, pininess, floral, citrusy, woodsy type of flavors. There's uh, geraniol, farnesine, there, there, there's a, a, a humulene, there's a bunch of different compounds in there. Um, but there's also some sulfur compounds, and those things which are perceptive to the human at the parts per trillion level, I mean, we're, we're, we're like a hound dog when it comes to those, when it comes to aroma and flavor. Um, it'll go garlicky and oniony right now on you if you harvest too late, and not a good thing. And I would not want to take, I, I couldn't sell hops to a brewer if they were garlicky or oniony, because that's just- I don't just, know, I think that urban could do something <laughs> well, they, with they, that flavor profile. They, they could put in an Epicurean and beer could, and it'd exactly, be- Exactly, and, it'd be, and it, it would be amazing. It would yeah. be right yeah. at home. Well, on a side note, they, uh, they, they bought a, a lot of hops from us over the years, and they did a, a mushroom series one year where they did a, a wood ear mushroom salad that had, like, onions and garlic and stuff in it. And it would have been great there. It, yeah. It, it yeah. would have been. So, if, if so it might have its place. If you have There's a creative brewer. Many. Right. There you go, yeah. But, but I sure don't want that in any other kind of beer yeah. besides, besides that. And those are, those are really outliers in the, in the beer world, as we all know. Um, so, uh, when it comes, we, so we harvest them at that dry matter content. And as soon as we harvest them, we, we have to dry them down further. And I, so I've got a, a hop dryer, which relies on a lot of air movement. I've got a couple thousand CFM fans moving air through them um, and some dehumidification because you want to get that moisture out of there. Because like anything else, as soon as you pick it, it starts to decompose. Mm -hmm. And so if you just picked hops and let them sit in a bucket, it, it'd be like moldy, wet grass from underneath your mower deck in a couple of days. You can't and, let that happen. But there, there's also a market for that too. Wet hops, but again, if you're- well, But no, I mean like aged hops, right? So, but you still have to dry them. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. like uh, Little Fish this year uh, is buying a bunch of hops from me for one of their method traditional beers, uh, which they're gonna age for the next four or five years. 
They're just going to put them up in the attic up in Athens and just let them sit there and dry out and age and get cheesy. Okay, so but they're dry when they get them. But they got to be dry. Gotcha. Okay. Um, they're, Very good. You, but you brought up a good point. I could harvest, and right now you're drinking a, a, uh, a Headhunter wet hopped beer. Yes. Those, and I'm not sure their exact brewing process. They, I don't know if they used any dry hops in there or not, but the wet hop beers, the last, and it, I, the last truly seasonal beer, um, when we pick hops, if we can deliver those to a brewery within hours, 36, 48, it'd be the absolute maximum. So I'm sure those are Pacific Northwest hops they're using right there. Uh, but for me, when I would bring them up to, to your, your former you, brewery, you, you Cellar bring Dillon, them up in, I literally in, within an hour or two of picking them. Exactly. I mean, uh, awesome. Dave, Dave showed up after, right after picking them with amazing, I mean, just amazing smelling yeah. uh, mesh bags of hops. And it was, it was awesome. And, so and we were, we were ready. you getting them, did you have to use them? Like we were ready on that day. Yeah. Like okay. Dave okay. would show up okay. on the on the brew the day. Brew day. Gotcha. I, I I always at the local level here, we always coordinate with the brewer mm. to make sure that we know when they're going to have the, the the. I mean, they've already started the boil. Sure. And okay. I, yep. I will literally, if they say I need them by eleven o'clock, I'll get up at whatever time I need to that morning to Start pick that picking. enough hops for what they need. Yeah, and drive to their brewery and drop That's them amazing. off. Yeah, and the, and wet hop beers are they're they're uh, not everybody loves them. I love them. I love them. They're a fantastic beer with a whole different character to it. This mm-hmm. year we had um, a wet hop down at Rheingeist. We had a wet hop. We had two wet hops at Fibonacci, and we had a wet hop down at Narrow Path. All of which were just fabulous beers. I but, I love them, and yeah. and I. Uh, <clears throat> I was joking, but not joking about trying to get something together for next year for, you know, a collaboration with Truth Beer Pod, um, Ohio Valley Hops. Who knows? Maybe Higher Gravity would, you know, be interested in, in a brewer, a brewery that would be willing to work with us for that. Um, but it, it's it's phenomenal. Like you, you're, you, you would show up with the hops, uh, just like you said, on brew day in the middle of the, the brewing process, fresh, and we're ready to go. Uh, and as soon as we got to the to the stage in the boil where they were ready, like they spent minutes in the cooler. Yep. I mean, minutes. Uh, so it was awesome. Um, so if you're not gonna do that, then you have to dry them. And you need to dry them down as quickly as possible to about eight to 10% moisture content, mm-hmm. at which point they're shelf stable. Okay. Um, and so I, I've got I've got a dryer that I built because you, this is just not stuff that you can get. If you're mm-hmm. a, a huge commercial grower with three four hundred acres, you can afford to spend tens of thousands of dollars on this stuff. Otherwise, you, you're finding a way to do it on your own. You yeah. Build your own. Yeah. So we we've got a really good system of dehumidification and air movement to to dry down within about thirty six hours, and uh, at a low temperature, which preserves those oils because the oils and hops are very volatile. Um, if if you were to smell hops being dried and you smelled a lot of hops, that's a bad sign because that means all of those oils are cooking off. Gotcha. That um, makes sense. And so we never exceed about 110 degrees because those oils are volatile at about 125 to 130 degrees plus. And so you're just, you're cooking off the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So at that point we do that and then we pack them. I, um, I use airtight um, food grade drums and we just pack them completely tight and I've got a, a walk-in cooler up at the farm that we put them in. 
and then um, we take them to be pelletized. I don't pelletize. The pelletizing um, process is a food grade process. You're now into food processing. Sure. I'm growing a raw agricultural product. Once you go there, now we're getting the USDA and the Ohio Department of Agriculture and the EPA involved, and you're talking huge investment. In the entire state, we have four hop processors um, who happen to be hop growers who said, there's a need, I've got to do it. We've got 70, 80 growers across the state. They need this service. So God bless them for investing the money Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. to, to make that happen. Because if they were to go out of business, the, the hop, the hop growers in Ohio would crash because right. we, we can't There's only sell. so much need for well, because a brewer wants, exactly a brewer wants to have pelletized hops yes not whole cone hops because dried whole cone hops you can brew with them there are some major brewers that their systems are set up to do that but most it, most aren't but most are not they're not because it because you can't it it would it would plug up all the all the processes yeah they've they've built their systems especially to uh not let that happen but there's also a utilization process because a wet hop cone is like a big soggy leaf mm -hmm. and you're going to lose some small minute percentage of your beer there that you'll never get back but um but it also takes up that much but extra at, space but if you're doing 120 as well right right if you're doing 120 barrels or 30 barrels you are losing some amount of your beer right there if if you use whole cone hops whereas mm -hmm. with pelletized hops the process um, and I'm, I'm actually taking my all of my hop crop this year to one of my friends who pelletizes next week um, they've, they've been stored at like 34 degrees since I harvested in airtight containers packed in completely solid uh, to preserve their quality we'll take them up there he'll put them first through a hammer mill specifically designed for for hops um, which basically pulverizes this dry cone into powder mm -hmm. so it's both the leaf matter but also the lupulin and then puts it through a pelletizing mill which basically is looks a lot like what rabbit food or or, or something like that sure, comes sure. out at but at, at a very low temperature because again you don't want to want to volatize those oils you, so how long can the dry hops in the barrels last before they can no longer be pelletized or, or they're no longer usable uh, I, I would say indefinitely but the quality will drop sure. because okay. Okay. when um, what happens is oxidation. Sure. Okay. Um, hops and oxygen are a bad combination. So if you just had hops laying around, we were mm -hmm. talking earlier about about aged hops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when that happens, uh, when, when you when you get your hops tested at at um, for harvest and again after they're pelletized, one of the significant markers that a, that a chemist will use is called a hop storage index. Mm -hmm. And you want to be under 0 0.25. Uh, 0.30 is acceptable. Above that, you're starting to get into, it, it means they're not going to last. They're already showing signs of oxidation. So when we pack, we, um, we use 55-gallon food-grade drums with a snap seal on the top. Um, immediately after drying, they go in there, and we pack those suckers in there so tight. I mean, uh, there's not any room for oxygen there. Whereas if we just left them out, they would get cheesy and the HSI would skyrocket. Gotcha. So we're, okay. we, we're pretty solid about always keeping our HSI over the years under uh, about somewhere between 0.20 and 0.30, okay. which means they're going to last a long time. And then they go in a freezer. They could literally last for years. Fresher is better. As always, you know, you, you can throw 
you could have a, a pound of, of ground beef in the freezer, you can still eat it in a year. It's not as good as if it's never sure, been. Sure, right. So, right. And, and that has to do with, by the time, for ground beef, and by the time you defrost it, so... Uh, Though that ice almost acts like a like a knife through the meat, and then when you defrost it, everything that was in it uh, has channels and pathways mm-hmm. for um, that that rich goodness to to come out of it mm-hmm. rather right. than stay in it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a geeky way to say, uh, don't freeze your tenderloins, uh, <laughs> like. Buy your yeah. tenderloins fresh and cook and them use fresh. Them fresh. I mean, if pops. you get it, you get a wonderful deal on a tenderloin. That's great, uh, but all you did is you, you created these ice knife channels for when you defrost your tenderloin to where all that 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 rich goodness uh, could uh, start to yeah. seep out of the tenderloin. On that note, since you're drinking a wet hop beer, um, I, I have long said that that was the last true seasonal. And it, it really is no longer because uh, some, some of the hop growers out in the Pacific Northwest have come up with a flash freezing technique. If you flash freeze something, you don't do that. You don't burst those cell walls. Ah, okay. there we go. A, a long, it's kind of like, think about your cocktail ice cubes. When you get sure. that perfectly clear ice cube versus the cloudy one. Right, right. Uh, there's no sim- oxygen. There's similar sort of else. process. Okay, okay. If you can, if you can flash, the faster you freeze something, the, the better it's going to be. And so with hops now, there have been a couple of breweries doing wet hop beers year round. And I, I, I'm not a fan of that because I, you know, we were, we were talking in the last podcast about seasonality. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm a fan of seasonality. I don't want to drink a Russian Imperial Stout on July 4th. It's, it's, it's Pilsner time, right? Right. But, but in January on a cold winter night in front of the fireplace... Dude, you know what I'm drinking. And so right now, it's, it's Dunkel time, it's Schwarzbier time, it's Oktoberfest time. Hell Starting yeah. to get maltier, heading into Belgian season for me. Um, so I, I'm kind of going to, I think we'll still have wet hop season be September, October. I, I love that. And I hope so. I, I love that. Well, and then one of the biggest is, isn't um, isn't Sierra Nevada's celebration uh, a wet hop beer? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know how they do that they, they i think they call it a fresh hop and there you know there's a whole matter of semantics between wet hop and fresh hop and what should we call them and i don't really care um personally but some people say a fresh hop beer is freshly harvested hops that have been dried down some people say fresh hop beer is a wet hop beer some people don't like the term wet hop because it sounds wet and moist and i don't i don't know people yeah don't moist like isn't a great term uh, wet is fine moist is yeah. not so yeah um, yes I don't know. A moist hop beer. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah. No, no, yeah. Yeah. That's no, no, you know what I mean? It's like, what I, what it's like I, would it sounds you like a beer that? we would make. I mean, yeah. what, what yeah. I know is I want to continue to every year provide some small percentage of the crop. And it's, it's really a really small percentage of the crop um, to, to the breweries that, that I've been working with and anybody else who wants to try one out because they're, they're fabulous. They're just, it's something completely they, different with a whole different character to it, a whole different flavor and aroma profile. Mm-hmm. And it's good. It, they are good, and it is fabulous. Um, uh, Julia, I hate to put you on the spot, but did did you get to Fibonacci to try any of these, or did you get to any any of the breweries that he was? To? I I honestly I can say I haven't. I, uh, however, I did not make it to Fibonacci for their fresh hopped. 
I, I can it, say. Was it I a mean, wet hop or a fresh hop that they just did? Ah. Or, you know, right, exactly, exactly. But um, I, no, I, have, I did not. I mean, I've had the one I made, uh, which was freaking phenomenal. And uh, thank you for uh, you and your wife coming out. I mean, what was that, uh, last year? Uh, yeah, they. Uh, Cellar Driller did not do one this year, but that was for other reasons. He wanted to, but he was backed right. up on his brewing schedule. But I think the last three years we've done, yeah. done wet hops. We, we have. It, it's been uh, truly fantastic. I love, love, loved our wet hop beer and was truly proud uh, of it. Actually, a little homework for you, Julia. Yes, sir. I think one of the growlers that John Lee brought on his first episode might have been that wet hot really? beer. I think it might have been. Oh, because that was so good. And I remember CJ sent, sent a picture. and I don't, I don't, there, It's like so, some sort of sight glass. Yeah. And it was just yellow and oily from all of the oils. Oh, it was just... It, it's a beautiful beer. Oh, when it's done right and it's fresh, I mean, you, you get an oily slickness uh, from a wet hot beer, that uh, it, it if if you can discern it, you you know it's right. Uh, talking about um, discerning and palates and all that, uh, you're a chicharrone, right? I I, I am a you're a cicerone, cicerone. certified nice. cicerone. That's awesome. Uh, level level two. Level two yeah. certified cicerone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I've heard that that is an incredible undertaking. I, I spent that two years drinking beers specifically aimed at uh, the be, being able to pass the test, and I read lots and lots of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to get to that level, there's four levels of Cicerone. There's the certified beer server, which I think if you're a beer tender somewhere, absolutely, that's, that, that should be a minimum. And it, it's, a, it's a good, solid foundation of, of beer styles and, mm-hmm. and ingredients and stuff. And I... I kind of consider that like a high school diploma of beer education. Um, it gives you all the basics that you yep. need to make sure you yeah, know there's, uh, it, what it, you're talking about, yeah. This, there's other programs that uh, for insurance purposes other uh, insurance companies may and they may um, acknowledge uh, the Cicerone program but uh, there's other programs yep. as well. However, uh, this program has many levels, yeah. and uh, it's really a front and it's a front of house program. It's not a back yes, house. Yes, it's a front sure. of house yeah, yeah, program. Yeah. Um, yes, but the, the the level two, the certified Cicerone, um, and, and I'm saying this because I, I've got a bachelor's and two master's degrees. It's it's like a it's like a bachelor's degree in in beer knowledge. Wow. The 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 exam is a four hour sit down, write a thon, uh, practical demonstration, off flavor tasting, style tasting. It is solid, and I, I, I say this not because I did it, but because I did do it, it's not easy. Um, and then there's advanced and master, and I think there's just a couple dozen masters in the world, and to, at that level, I, I do not aspire to do that. It is just too freaking hard. Um, I, I had met a few certified Cicerones early on in, in my, um, um, really in my, in my craft beer journey, um, when that program came out, and I was super impressed by these particular people and uh, looked into the program. I thought, well, that's pretty freaking cool. And at some point I said, as a hop grower, the more beer knowledge I have, the better, the, sure. the better sure. Uh, to be able to talk the talk to brewers and to be able to express those. And it's, it's helped out too being a bartender. Yeah, oh, and, sure, and, for and, sure. And, you know, and, and uh, the, the, 
the program, the, the word Cicerone, I think is Italian and comes from uh, it seems for, Italian for, yeah. for guide. And I, okay. I think that's a great way to look at it is you're, you're there to guide people front of house to help you discover new beers, mm-hmm. to help you on your beer journey. Which actually is a really great lead into a question that I had mentioned before we took our break about the hop flavor you get from beer yep. specifically. And you and I had a really great conversation at Sonder mm-hmm. you know, a week or two ago about single hop beers yeah. and how not a lot of them taste all that great. It's when you start blending those different hop flavors that you really get an incredible, robust, drinkable beer. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're drinking almost anything, very rarely are you experiencing just a single mm-hmm. hop. Yeah. Um, I think you and I talked, uh, Sabro is one of the hops that every time it's in a beer, there's something about it that it just doesn't taste right to me. Like, I just don't care for it. But what you explained to me is it could just be Sabro and whatever other hop it is. It could be the combination causing that. Sabro on its own, am I even saying that right? Yeah. Sabro, okay. Uh, On its own, maybe a single hop beer with just that hop would be phenomenal to me. So that was a really cool thing that I kind of knew that that was probably a thing, but to hear someone that is so familiar with hops kind of confirm Mar- Mar- Marco that. could probably speak to this, but you know, <laughs> I, I look at uh, a brewer as a chef. Oh, absolutely. And, and you absolutely. are trying to find the right combination of malts and hops and yeast and the water profile to develop this this thing that you have in your mind. That this is this is what I'm trying to present to, to the drinker. And um, no, nobody's going to make an, uh, you know, a marinara with just oregano or or just basil or, or just garlic. It's going sure. to be flat. You, sure. you, you want to find that perfect combination of those. And as you up one ingredient and lower another, um, my wife and I were up in uh, Dayton last night. Our, our, our daughter lives up there. And we, we uh, when we were dating, there's this kind of dive bar in Centerville called the Poor House, which got really good craft beer selection. And they had a, a beer there in a series from Seventh Son called The Scientist. Okay. And The Scientist has been around, I think, since 2014. And all, I think every batch or every other batch, they tweaked the hop the hop varieties in it. And I had a really fantastic one last night, looked it up, and they've actually got a spreadsheet on their website of every single... Uh, kind of combination. Every recipe they've ever oh, done. That's what yeast, what malts, what hops. I mean, they're not telling you how many ounces, oh, sure. pounds, whatever. But that that's fascinating. And as I was, I was telling you the other day, um, we have a hop growers conference every year. Mm-hmm. And we were at Mother Stewart's two, three years ago. And um, we, uh, we always have an Ohio hop beer brewed for our conference, which we drink there. And then they, they sell to the public. This year, we're going to be up at Olentangy River Brewing Company in, um, in Lewis Center, just north of, of Columbus. And they're going to do an all-Ohio uh, beer for us up there. But at Mother Stewart, what we did there is he actually brewed four beers, and they were single hop beers. We did a Comet, a Columbus, a Cascade, and a Chinook. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fascinating because when you drink a beer that's only one hop v- variety, you get a flavor of, well, this is what Cascade tastes right, like. Well, this yeah. is what Columbus tastes like. But none of them on their own were very good. And what we ended up doing um, throughout the course of the evening is we started making cuvées. And we really had some really, really good, good beer. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, uh-huh. I would love, and I know that the the cost of this would 
probably not fit any brewery's business model at all. But I think it would be so freaking cool for a brewery to offer something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, here are three to four single hop Mm -hmm. beers. We'll give you a flight of, like, just say 10-ounce pours. So you can try them on their own, but then you can just, here's an empty glass, just start mixing your own. And, I mean, I don't know if there's any legality to where they couldn't do that, but how fun would that be to kind of blend your own beer, using air quotes for people not, you know, watching the live stream? What's funny is that uh, you talked about Sabro, and um, way back a hundred years ago, or seven, whatever, Practically the same thing. Cellar Dweller was using uh, Sabro as an experimental hop. Okay. Uh, before I got there, it, as a as a single hop beer, and that single hop beer was called uh, Uncle Ronnie, and uh, it was a fantastic beer. And then we did a one off, which was uh, Blood Orange Uncle Ronnie. And it was fucking gangbusters. Like we were, we were getting calls. Like, where can we find this? Um, it it wound up being that there was a transition between it being uh, an experimental and then it coming out as Sabro, mm-hmm. uh, where we couldn't get it. Um, and then there was also the transition where the head brewer left, and then the new head brewer came in, and so. Um, Long story short, we made a great beer with that hop. That particular hop, yeah. And I mean, and, and like I it, said, I've never had like a single hop, something with just that one particular yeah, hop style it, in it. So it could just be the way that it interacts with the other hops in the beer. It, it, that just something for me personally just went. I don't know. There's just yeah, something I about this that isn't. Yeah, it, it was one of my. It was actually my favorite beer that we ever brewed. Uh, for the, you know, uh, I'll call it old regime when mm-hmm. I started at Cellar Dweller. And then once we started with CJ and the new head brewer, um, you know, we went through a patch where we couldn't get it. And then we uh, could get it and it was called Sabro. Mm-hmm. And so we, but we sort of just transitioned away from that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, to go directly, you know, where you're talking about is like I have done that. See, I've done that, right. and it, and it was good. But, it was but for so a brewer, good. Right, you get a chance to do so, some of that for yeah, the average consumer. So you just uh, have to hope that you know someone to maybe you get the opportunity. For yeah, that. it was so good. And the other <laughs> thing I want to say is that, hearkening um, uh, back to the main episode. Um, we talked a little bit about the podcast, the uh, uh, Beer Temple Insiders mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, the uh, Cicerone project, the company itself, is in Chicago. Uh, in Chicago, <laughs> yeah. uh, by Ray Daniels. Uh, he's uh, Ray Daniels is the uh, essentially creator. Uh, he's a, uh, a beer writer, uh, beer kind of sort, created uh, the Cicerone uh, uh, certification process. He is also an occasional uh, guest of the Beer Temple Insiders podcast that I referenced in the main episode. 
so, stuff together. Yeah, Ray Daniels. Um, he's a uh, extremely good listen. If he's ever on uh, any podcast or, or platform, uh, be great to listen to him. Sure. Uh, so uh, bringing that uh, back around to uh, sort of the main episode. Um, we are at about an hour. So do we want to kind of wrap stuff up and have a final beer and just kind of hang out for a little bit before yeah, I, I think need to come home and get dinner for, uh, yeah, I, for Josh and I? We, we should. Um, this has been a beyond fascinating conversation. <laughs> like, like I, I could, I could I, keep I could do this, I could this all day, night. every day. Agreed. I actually need to uh, pick my uh, kid up from work, but uh, uh, not before. It's Tequila Tuesday. Oh, Tequila Tuesday. Oh boy. Well, then we definitely need to be wrapping this up so Marco can get his tequila. Uh, Dave. Uh, My God, thank you so much. Thank you, you so much, uh, Dave. Is plug there, all your stuff? Yes. Uh, yes. Plug all your stuff. And is, is there anything that we missed that we didn't cover that you want to talk about? Uh, and uh, you have uh, forty-five seconds. Go. You have as much time. So as you th- need. we have about seventy growers across the state. You can find out more about us at www.ohgg.org. Also on Facebook and Instagram, Ohio Hop Growers Guild. I'm, I'm not sure what our handles are there. We do an annual conference around the state. If you're interested in growing, reach out to them. If you're interested in buying from them, you're a brewer. We've got an interactive website with all the farms there and what they're growing. And we do a, uh, we're do we doing, in uh, November 6th up at Muller Brew Barn in Dayton, we're doing a hop showcase where a bunch of growers are going to show up and provide their hops there for sensory for any brewers that show up. We've done that a few what times. About it's been very successful. Anybody's welcome. And there we go. typically at the end of July, we do a uh, open house across the state, usually about 10 to 20 different growers. Um, and it's open to the public. Come on in and uh, talk hops with one of us. Just keep an eye out there on that. And you can follow us at Ohio Valley Hops on Twitter and Facebook. I don't have an Insta. I also have a website, www.ohiovalleyhops.com. We're out in Mainville. Drink our beers made with our hops. Currently available at Fibonacci and uh, Narrow Path and Rheingeist and others to follow. That is phenomenal. Hell yeah. My awesome. God. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, well, thanks for having and, me. And uh, joining in our... You know, you know, whatnots, festivities. Julia, you had something? I know that the Cincinnati area brewers have all won a whole lot of medals recently. Are there any awards or any kind of celebrations for hop growers? And if not, there need to be. Um, we, we actually um, have talked about that for the Ohio Hop Growers mm-hmm. Guild. Um, but we, we don't currently have anything like that. Like okay. there is a thing called the Cascade Cup that Hop Growers of America holds and um, Michigan, which is, you know, they've got a lot more than we've got. They've got a thing called the Chinook Cup, which is similar, which is basically the best of, of the year there. But we, we don't have anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully that happens soon because yeah. I would love to see you holding well, we, the medal we, one of these we, days. We have actually, just to, to pat, pat myself on the back here. Here we um, go. Urban Artifact has won two national awards with our hops. Oh, that's fantastic. They, uh, oh, yeah. The Good Food Awards program, which is all about sustainable beers and, and local beers. They did it with uh, both Calliope and a beer called Orbexalum. And Orbexalum was one of my personal favorites. 
it was a, a lovely sour beer that they brewed with our Pacific Gem hops. And Pacific Gem, we talked about single mm-hmm. hops. Yeah, yeah. Tastes like blackberries. Ooh. And so it, it was a I'm lovely, in. lovely beer. And they so they, they won that award twice. And uh, you have a bit of trivia that before the mics were rolling that you hit me with. Go ahead and hit uh, Julia and all our listeners with as far as uh, the Gnarly Gnome and your interaction and content. Yeah, so in, in, in the, the main episode, we were talking there about how many times um, Brett and Mike had been on the Sensi Brewcast. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I told Marco, I said, I've been on the Sensi Brewcast twice. Episode uh, 17 of season one and then an early episode of season two. Um, big, big Mike, Big Sis mm-hmm. came out to the farm um, early on, and uh, we had a great visit. Uh, the gnome was not able to make that one, but then the second one, we were sitting in in, uh, in Mike's dining room where they originally used to, to record everything to record everything there, and it was with Brett uh, for the the big reveal on Calliope. Oh, that's so amazing! So, yeah, that is so freaking cool. Is there any chance? And and this may be like pie in the sky, never going to happen. Is there any chance to uh, bring uh, some sort of, uh, I don't know, a fun entertainment or, or uh, just attention to the hot farm uh, about doing some sort of uh, hop extravaganza at the place? It's music, some podcasting, and just... Some, some entertainment happening out there beer, yeah. just to, you know, do something. I, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. but. Um, I, let, let's, let's talk more about that. There's liability issues that I have to be concerned about with my insurance agent. Well, when because I'm going to be there? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Mostly, mostly yes. because Mark's Especially with the be Tequila Tuesday, apparently. I'm yes. Well, but, we can't um, do this on a Tuesday. We, uh, let, let's, let's, let's talk about that. We have, but, we have traditionally done a hop yard camp out with our brewers Oof. and and friends of, of the hop yard and we did not do I one. do not trust them we we <laughs> did not do one this year for various personal reasons too much sure. going on in our sure. lives but um, it, it's a shit show and yeah um, sounds amazing I imagine the gnome has been to it well Sorry. we can we can cut out the public <laughs> then if the public if we don't invite the public there's still a lot of liability Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah, so that, that's one where especially it's just a, a with, party in the hop yard. Especially with Brett and me and the gnome. It, it's like <laughs> a lot. And then Bunch of hop Michael, friends. Michael brings the D. Morgan, uh, if he's there. He's woof. been invited. He's never showed. Well, he's an attorney. So and maybe he <laughs> should show. Yeah. Or maybe he should is show, from the liability. Should show to the shit show. There Correct. we go. Correct. There we go. Uh, well, thank you very much, Dave. Yes. I appreciate uh, you. I, yes. I hope you had a great time. We yeah. were just entranced yeah. with with the conversation. It, it was fantastic. And uh, hopefully the listeners were. And if they weren't, um, I don't know what was wrong with you because this is content <laughs> that we are uh, in a bonus we're episode. We are yeah. here for this. Hell Yeah. Uh, thank you, Dave. Oh, you're welcome. Thank and you. And I appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the pleasure's ours. Cheers, sir. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. <laughs>